We want to continue this morning in our study that we do into the book of John, the letter that John wrote to us. And uh, the task here is to see what John is trying, not trying, what he's telling us. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. Although a man by the name of John wrote these words down and gave it to us so that we can read it in what is called the Bible, it is the Word of God. It is what God wants you and me to hear. And today He's got a purpose. Today's message, He wants to tell you something in today's message. Now, it's not how I'm going to preach this message that's going to determine whether you listen. It's going to determine how you listen to the Word. And for now, for the next half an hour or so, just turn off the world around you. If you've got a problem or something, turn it off. Say, Lord, I don't want to listen about that. I want to hear what you want to tell me. So let's open up this morning as we go into 1 John chapter 3. And as you know, we just continue reading through the Bible, verse by verse. And we take passage for passage and we open it up. And we ask the Holy Spirit to open it up to us so that we can learn. You were not saved. You were not saved to just sit there and do nothing. You were saved to do what? To grow. If you take a baby that Andre was talking about, we've got beautiful little children running around. They all grow up. And we as children of God need to grow up. And this is what the Word does. It grows us up in our spirit, man. We were all born little children and now we need to mature in the Word of God. So we're going to continue in 1 John chapter 3 and we're going to read from verse 1. The Word of God says, Behold... What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Just think about that. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The sons of God. The New King James translation says the children of God. When he says sons here, it's not only male. He talks about male and female. Behold what love God has put towards us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world know us not. Is that a surprise? They know you by your name. They know you by how you become their friend. But once you tell them, I want to be known as the Son of God, they go, wee, wee, there's something going on there. Is he crazy? Is she crazy? So the world knows us not, he writes this down. Because it knew him not, so we are not alone. The, the world didn't know Jesus. He came to his own and his own rejected him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, he repeats it. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, what will happen then? We shall be like Him. And you can shout out, Hallelujah. When He is going to appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that has this hope in Him purifies himself even as He is pure. Sons of God, by the love of God, 
by the power of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And even if I close the Bible now, when we go home, I'm satisfied, Lord, that there was voice and breath put to your words and he became alive. But that's only how far human interaction can go, Lord. I trust now and I believe on the Holy Spirit to take these words from the paper and, and lift them up and make them alive in our hearts. Let no person walk out of this place, Lord, this morning, not knowing the love of God and our heirship with the Son and of the Father as sons of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about sons of God. He says there that we should be called the sons of God. When's the last time that somebody walked over to you and said, Hey, you son of God. The world uses it as a swear word, isn't it? But here he writes specifically to you and to me and to the church back in the day to that, to that environment where he was the apostle of and where he was the pastor of that church. He reads, he writes this down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and they stood up in that church and somebody read these words to that church and says, What manner of love the Father bestowed, poured out, thrown upon you and me. And I don't want you to just look at the collective church here. I want you to stand here this morning and to sit here this morning and, and to think about it that He threw His love upon me. It's an individual message as well as it is a collective message that you should be called the Son of God. There's a lot of teachings that's going out about the sons of God. Who knows that? There's a lot of crazy things that people attach to this. The manifest sons of God. The super sons of God. Did he use the word super there? Oh, you've got to be in a special class to be a son of God. Not everybody is sons of God, they preach. You get so funny, funny things going on. Nature is earnestly waiting for the appearance of the manifestation of the sons of God. Do not be fooled, friends. Read the Bible with the simplicity as a child would read the Bible. And understand through the Holy Spirit what He will open up to you about the sons of God. Does this incorporate everybody? Does this incorporate everybody in this place this morning? Does this incorporate everybody that, that He wrote this letter to back in the day? Yes, He does. It is you, it is me. It is Him, it is her. It is she and it's him. It's all of us. And we're going to explore that today. So that you walk out of here and you go, doesn't matter what happens in the world, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. This is what he writes to them there. And we're going to measure this as a test of reality. And we find this is not the only time when he uses this. Look, look at John, John chapter 1, in the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 11. He says there clearly, he says, he came unto his own. Who were his own? Who is his own? The Jews. It's Israel. He came unto his own. This is what's written down by John. 
by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel. He came unto his own. He was born a Jew. Joseph and Mary, although Joseph wasn't his father, you know that, but Mary was his mother. The angel appeared to her and said, You will bear a child, you, and you shall call him Jesus, for it's him who will take his sin away from his people. It's his people. He came for the Jews. He says it right there. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. What a scandal. What a travesty. He came to help them, but the very hand that helped them, they didn't want to have it. They, they swatted it away. And you know what they shouted? They said, crucify him. We don't want this king. We want a king who can help us to overthrow the Romans. And you know what? We can point fingers at them, but a lot of us is doing the same thing. He comes to be the king in your life, and what do we say? We don't want this king. We want a king who do what I say. And we, once we have that king, who's the king? You are the king of your own life. They did not receive him, the word of God says. In verse 12 he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave what? He gave them the power. To whom? To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be what? To become sons of God. To those who receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Have you received Him? Have you gone to the cross and knelt at the cross and saw your sin as He sees it? Repented of your sinful nature? Cry out to God and say, Please Lord, save me! And here He says that when He came, what happens? He came down and He touches you and what, what power do you have now? You have the power to become the sons of God, the children of God. That's what it says right there. Now you can ask the question, how then do you become that? How, well, what does it mean when he says, to his own received him not, but they that received him to them? He says it further in that verse. He says, even to them that believe on his name. There you find it. Believe on his name. You know that one day the disciples walked up to Jesus, some of his disciples, not the twelve, they came to him and they said, what work shall we do that we do the works of God? What work shall we do? Come on Jesus, tell us, how, how a good a person should I be that I do the work of God? Isn't that a question that a lot of us ask as well? What shall I do to be a better Christian? And you know what Jesus did? You can go and read it, it's in John chapter 6. He turned to them, he says, this is the works of God, that you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you believe in Jesus Christ. That's the work that you do. But for some people it is just too easy. No, no, we want a more difficult work to do. We want it more difficult. It is just too easy to do it like that, isn't it right? And here we find it, he says, even to them that believe on who? On His name, which were born, now look at this, this is the giveaway here, which were born, he talks about a birth that's going to take place, not of blood. Who in this place was, has been born? Were you born? Yes, of course, otherwise, hello, you wouldn't be sitting here. Which were born, now we know of a natural birth that takes place, but here he says, not of blood, 
not of the flesh, nor the will of man. So, so it wasn't as if you decided now we're going to try to born. No, no. But of God. So who makes you a son of God? God makes you a son of God. So you find so oftentimes people walk around and they say, when I give my heart to the Lord, when I gave my heart to the Lord, you didn't give your heart to the Lord, the Lord saved you. The Lord took your heart. And He did it. Yes, I know that you came and you repented and you called out to God, but He did it. He did all of the work. Now let me bring it back. Were you there when you were born? Of course I was there, John. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> my mom was there as well, and there was a doctor and there was a nurse and all of these. But you were there. If you were not there, then we've got a serious problem, honestly. Believe me. So there were some people around helping your mom so that you get born. What did you have to do to be born? Nothing. Nothing. The time came. And all you had to do is you had to scream, otherwise you get a, a slap on your bam from the doctor to say, is this child, what's going on here? Wah! Wah! That's all you do. Your poor mom had to do a lot of work. We won't go into it. I'll just leave it there. She had to do a lot of work. And that poor doctor and that, you know, helped. Everybody around you worked and worked and worked so that you can be born. And look at you today. What a fine human being you are. This is the same. God's done all the work. He sent His Son. Who did that? Did, did you have any input into that? Did you stand there one time and shout it into the eons of time and say, the Son of God should come down? Did you? You didn't even know about Him. You didn't even know about Him. When you were lost in your sins and your trespasses, the only thing that you wanted about was your own life. How to satisfy me. Unoranumo, me. I'm the biggest one. I need to satisfy me. You heard about this Jesus and you heard until the Holy Spirit tucked you on heart and He pulled you. And then you couldn't resist Him. You remember those days? You couldn't resist Him. And as you grew, as you grew and you become stronger as a little baby and started walking, you couldn't resist it even more. Friends, I'm standing here today before you. I was saved late in my life, late in my, uh, in my early 20s. And I'm telling you, it is like the first, I can't resist it. I can't go away from it. I can't, I want more and more about Him, more of Him, more and more about Jesus. This is how you grow. And you know what work was done? What have I had to do in all of that to be born? Nothing. It's the same here. You see, Paul writes the same thing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he says, For as many who are led by the Spirit of God... You see, I rest my case. Didn't I tell you the Holy Spirit pulled you? For as many who are led... You see that? Who are pulled. It, 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 I, I see in my mind this vision of a big bull. There you were. Big, so full of yourself, man. And you walk around and somebody put a small little thing in your nose. Have you seen these big bulls and you put something in their nose? Man, you can lead them wherever you want to lead them. Even into a china shop. They'll do... Well, maybe not. But you get where I'm going. But you, know, you see that big brood of a, a, a beast were, were led by what? By a small little thing in his nose. Friends, let me tell you one thing. 
the Holy Spirit leads you. He leads you here by the Spirit of God. They are what? What are they, they who are led by the Spirit of God? They are the sons of God. No funny stuff. Not you have to now come and pray through and dig in or start doing funny things and roll around and, and you know, jump up and down and bark like a monkey. And do, nothing like that, friends. It is what God does that makes you a son of God. It's His choice. I showed you that verse. Not born by flesh, not by blood, not by man's will, but by the will of God. And here it shows you where that will of God comes from. He places His will through the Holy Spirit within you. His will, with, through the Holy Spirit within you, He leads you. He leads you. That's why I said I want to go every day without the Holy Spirit. Oh, lead me more, lead me more, Spirit of God. Verse 15 says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage. There's two spirits in the world. The spirit of freedom and the spirit of bondage. The spirit of freedom and the spirit of bondage. He says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Have you seen the word again there? So where did you come from? You came from the spirit of bondage. And then he set you free. And now he says, no, 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 you don't go under that bondage again. Yet so many people do that. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, the sons of God. So what are you this morning? You're a son of God. Now I've, I've got Aaron. Paul writes to Galatians in chapter 3 verse 26. He says, for you are all sons of God. Through faith in whom? In Christ, he repeats it, you see? He says the same thing. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is now no more Jew or Greek, there is neither a slave nor a free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's seed, and heirs according to the promise. How privileged is that to become Abraham's seed? Now, let me just warn you here, this does not make you spiritual Israel. So that you replace the real Israel. This is not what it is, okay? But here he says that you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And you see how it manifests itself? You remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives and he had the Beatitudes? You remember the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5? When you read one of those passages, he says there, he says that peace, the peace made, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So look at this situation where you're in. Are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? If you're a troublemaker, then maybe we can say sons of disobedience. If you're a peacemaker, son of God. It's the nature of God that starts coming through you. Isn't it right? Now I hurry on. In Galatians 4 verse 6. He says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth what? The Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now what is the Spirit of the Son? It's the Holy Spirit. It's another name for the Holy Spirit. How powerful is it this morning to understand that you are the Son of God? 
Can you see it's not a complex one? Look, I didn't, I honestly must tell you, I read some books and I look at these guys and I look at their credentials and I go, man, I feel so left out on this. I didn't go to the universities, I didn't go to that. But I open up the Bible and I read it in plain, simple English and I understand it as it is. Now John sees it because I think he was written for little children. If the Sunday school sits here this morning, they will understand they are sons of God if you are, if you are born again, if you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. John sees it there. Let's go back. He says, Behold what mother of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. I now showed you how you become a son of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are all the sons of God and does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him. This passage here offers us three basic questions for us. Three basic questions. It asks us, where from where am I? And you can answer this question in a few ways. I mean, if I ask you physically, from where are you? Some will say I'm from New Zealand. I was born in New Zealand. I was born in South Africa. Some will say I was born all over the world. From where are you? That's a physical location. But then also as a person, if you're going to the business world right now, we're doing studies in the business world, they will say, as a person, you need to ask yourself this question, from where am I? Or who am I? And the whys and the whats. These are questions we ask ourselves. Or where did I come from? The second question is, where am I? Where are you now? Are you present here this morning? Where am I? Where are you in your, in your life? Where have you progressed to? If you look at yourself in a mirror, do you like what you see? Are you, are you satisfied? With, I'm not looking at outward appearance here, okay? Because, you know, I, I can see sometimes and I go, I don't know, like that. Gosh, okay, you know what happens? I get a little of cream out and you go, gee, nah, gee. I don't like that. I'm not talking about that like, okay? But are you happy with, with your, your personal state where you are at? But then there's a spiritual connection to these questions. And that is what John is addressing here. Where do I come from? Where am I? And where am I going? Where am I going? Where are you going spiritually? Are you on your way to heaven? Or are you on your way, like my brother sang, to the lake of fire? Because there is a lake of fire. It's good questions to ask. And he answers these questions. I want to replace that questions with what he writes about and say, What am I? What are you this morning? What am I? Well, I'm a human being. Now, well, no, let's, let's come to the Scripture and hold on to the Word of God. In 1 John, chapter 3, was 1, he answers that question. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What are you? You are a son of God. You're a child of God. That answers the question, what am I? Do you know that there's a lot of people in our world today who can't answer that question? They've got personality issues. And if you answer them wrong, they'll take you to court. You can't say I'm that. I'm not a human being. My great-grandfather is a monkey. I'm a monkey. I'm an animal. What am I? What are you? And he says here in the spiritual sense, you are the sons of God. Now, now we need to understand, if you are a son of God, where did you come from? Do you know where you came from? I'm talking spiritually now. 
Where did you come from? Not from South Africa. Where did you come from before you became a son of God? The Bible answers these questions. First of all, he says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and by the way, I've got so many other scripture verses, but for time's sake, I'll give you a few. He says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the, have a look, sons of disobedience. That's where you came from. If you understand where you came from, you will appreciate where you are now. I'll say that again, because you can apply what I'm saying now to every facet of your life. If you understand where you came from, you will appreciate where you are today. Let me give you an example. In the business world, I tell them, I know my roots. Oh, you've achieved so much. I've achieved nothing by the grace of God. But you know where I came from physically? I came from a mining town called Stilfontein in South Africa where my family and everybody works in the mines, okay? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. They work hard as hard-working people. But that's where I came from. I never lose those roots. Where am I now? I'm now in Australia, and I work not in the mines, and I again say there's nothing wrong. I'm not pointing a finger and say, look at them, I know they're up to nothing. No, no. I know where I come from, but I know who I am today, by the grace of God. I could have also still worked in the mines. I could have, yes? Come on, but let's face it. And this is only my story, but each and every single person who sits here today have a similar story. Where you came from, and what am I now? Where am I now? I've got responsibilities. I raised three children and I still got responsibilities. And praise God, one of these days we're going to have more. We're going to have small children. I'm going to be granddad and I can't wait for that, okay? But, but apart from that, but here is the theme difference. I know what I am, but here is the theme. As a person today, where am I going? Where am I taking my family? Where, as my years, as the gray hair gets more and a little bit less, but more, but you know, as the gray hair gets more, as the next phase of my life, life comes in, as I grow more weary, as this body decay day by day, where am I going physically? This is what Paul answered exactly these three things. He says, though the outward body of appearance is going down every day, yet... My inward man, on the inside, I'm with Christ and I'm growing stronger. Amen? Is that where you're going? You see, you thought it's only sons of God. What message can we get out of it? It's so deep, it's so passionate, it's so full of life. Where did I come from? You and I came from disobedience. If you understand that you came from disobedience, you will appreciate now the freedom as a son of God in Christ. Do you? Is it powerful to you? Is this going to change your life? I hope so. Is what you're going to walk out of here with this message go, Wow, Lord, thank you for that. That is so wonderful. Because I know that I was a son of disobedience. And where does the sons of disobedience go to? They go to eternal damnation. And who's their father? Their father is the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's Lucifer. So you've got a choice here. Who's my daddy? I want to know who's my daddy. You can choose your daddy here. It's different from, from your physical life. 
I have so many people sometimes come to me and say, I, 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 I still hate my father for what he did to me when I was young. Well, I've got good news for you. You can choose your daddy here. You can either have Lucifer, the power of the air, and be a son of disobedience, or you can choose our heavenly father and be a son of God. Good choice, isn't it? What have you chosen? So, the sons of God. The second question is, what are we now? He says there, we are the children of God. And look, friends, I can, I can go into this and give you a whole theological explanation. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to spare that to you. But let's just see what it says there. It starts with a spiritual birth. I've explained that to you. God is spirit, and we need to get a spiritual birth. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, he says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, how did that appear? In Christ Jesus. When that appeared, not by the works of righteousness. You see, he repeats what I said. Not by the works of righteousness, which we have done. If that is the case, I can walk in here and go, Oh man, I'm so much more higher than you. I'm more righteous than you. You know what the word righteousness means? It means to live a life acceptable to God. The Bible talks about two righteousnesses. One, to live a life acceptable to self. You can go and read that in Romans chapter 10. And then he says, a life acceptable to God. This talks about, this righteousness is when you try in your own righteousness to work hard so that you can become, become a good Christian. That's like a diet. Who knows it fails? <laughs> Who, who knows what's a yo-yo still? It's still in time, you know. You, you take the yo-yo, you throw it out, and it goes down, like my weight sometimes goes down, and then it bounces up again, and down, and bounces up again. The trick is, is to, you know you get some tricks with the yo-yo. You can throw it hard, and, and the yo-yo keeps spinning down at the bottom. You, you, you've all done that. Come on, you've all tried that. The trick is trying to spin it hard, and it keeps on spinning at the bottom. Man, it's so tough. Ask me, I know. And then you see that nice chocolate cake, man. You go, uh, You know that I like black forest cake, man. My yo-yo Peter doesn't work on black forest cakes, man. He just doesn't stay down there. I sometimes feel I want to runs away. But we are all there with a spiritual work in, in the likes of righteousness, friends. The harder you try to be a good Christian, guess what happens? You fail. It's failure written all over it. It's the lose for loser that you can't hold on to that. And here he says, not by the works of that kind of righteousness which we've done, but according to what? His mercy. His mercy. He saved us. Who saved you? He saved you. And, and look, this is what we are now, the children of God, through the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out. Look, listen to this. Let's, don't miss this. The renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out. Who poured it out? God poured it out. He poured it out on us abundantly 
through Jesus Christ and His Savior, that having been justified by the grace, whoa, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Are you looking for eternal life? He says it right there, and I love it when he says that He pours out His Spirit. And, and even that, even the pouring out of the Holy Spirit has got nothing to do with you. Think about that. You see, some people are going to say, Whoa, you've got to come up here, lie on your face for, for, for half an hour, say the same things after me, got to, you, do, you do all these funny things, and now he's going to pour out the Spirit. He's going to, no, no, no. He pours it out on you. It comes from him. Yes? And he makes you a child of God. Now, we know where we came from, sons of disobedience. We know what we are now, sons of God, by the mercy and the grace of God. Nothing that you could do in that. And now I'm going to show you where he says, what shall we be to be? 1 John chapter 3 verse 3 says, Beloved, now you are the sons of God. Praise God. And he doth not yet appear what we shall be. Have you read that? Have you read that? Did you understand what you read when you read that? It does not appear what you're going to be. There's people who's writing books about what you're going to be in heaven, but hey, they've missed what he said here. It doesn't appear what you're going to be. It's amazing, isn't it? But we know that. What do we know, John? That when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Man, I love that song. We shall see Jesus. Just as they saw Him, there is no greater promise than Him. Listen to this. When He returns in power and glory, we shall see Jesus just as He is. I just put a note in there for myself. Don't sing when you've preached. Your voice is not good. <laughs> but that's not the message. We shall see Jesus just as He is. Friends, He says to you and me that we do not yet, uh, uh, do not know what we shall be. We don't know that yet. We know that we are sons of God today. Yeah, do, do we know that? You see, what he's pointing out here, he points out the lack of their knowledge. It does not yet appear what we shall be. The end of their faith, he shows it, but we know that. That's faith, that when he shall appear, he, the faith is that Jesus Christ will appear, and then he points out the new nature. He says, we shall be like him. That we know. The new nature shall be like him. But what we shall be, we are now sons of God, what shall we be? That's interesting, isn't it? It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be like Him. But we get a clue, and I'll finish with that this morning. We get a clue of what we shall be. It's only a clue, okay? Because when we read in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, we see it a little bit further, don't we? He says there in verse 4, John to the seven churches, it's the same John who wrote this letter, he says to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, in, is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. By the way, if you do a study into the book of Revelation, there's not seven spirits, okay? 
that is just a characteristic of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, that word there for witness is martyr, it means to die for your cause that you live in, from the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, you see that is in the past tense, loved us, it points back towards the cross as a sign, as a signpost that He loved us, and He still loves us, and He will still love us. It's so wonderful, the Bible, isn't it? It just opens up. And then He says, who loved us and washed us from our sins on His own. Where did He do that? On the cross again. And we are baptized into Him from His own blood, and has made us what? Kings and priests. Kings and priests. To his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever and amen. You say, so what? He says it here in John. We don't know what we're going to be, but we will be like him. Friends, listen. In the Old Testament, a king could not do the work of a priest. Listen very carefully what I'm telling you now, but because this is, this is an absolute blessing. So you had a king and you had a priest. And in the Old Testament, the priest came from one tribe only. It came from the Levites. So if you were not in the Levite tribe, you could not become a priest. You're not a priest. So you had the priests and the kings. The king looked after the people, and the priest stands in the gap between God and man. The priest brings the sacrifice of the nation to God. So the king wasn't allowed to do the work of a priest. And the priest wasn't allowed to do the work of a king. You see the difference in the Old Testament? So, it was so that King Saul came one day, and he wanted to go to battle, and they wouldn't go to battle before the priest comes, and he sacrifices on behalf of the people. So this impatient king stands around and he looks over the horizon and he looks over the mountains and he don't see Samuel appearing to come and do the sacrifice. Yet he wants to go in and he wants to have the war. He wants to continue in. So what did the king do wrong? What did Saul do wrong? And from that point in time, something significant happened to his kingdom. He went and he sacrificed. He didn't wait for the priest. And when Samuel the priest appeared to him, what did he say to him? What have you done? You have broken what God has put in place. The king was not allowed to do this work of the priest. So your kingdom will be taken away from you. And who knows that that happened? So interesting, isn't it? Yet when Jesus Christ appeared, what was he? He was the king... And he was the priest. He was the king, and he was the priest. He did the work of a king, and he did the work of a priest. When he rode in the donkey into Jerusalem, what did they say? Hosanna, Hosanna, they welcomed him as the king. They were, there were prophecies about the king to come, and he was the king. But yet he took on the role of the priest as well. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he is our high priest now who's sitting on the right hand of the Father who intercedes for you and for me like a priest every single day. So today we are sons of God. Although John says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but in the same breath he says that we shall see him as he is. As what? As the king 
and the priest, and we shall be like him. You go, wow, I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be a priest. But hold on, there comes responsibility with that. You're going to work. I've heard somebody said, I can't wait to go to heaven. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I'm going to lie under that tree for a million years. Oh. Oh. It's not going to be like that. You're going to work in heaven as a king and a priest. You're going to do the work of a king and you're going to do the work of a priest. There's no laziness in God's kingdom. No procrastination in God's kingdom. He's given us responsibilities. And even when you come to Christ and you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, you've got a responsibility to grow. To grow. And then after you've grown, what do you do? He says, go make disciples. Are you there? Can you see what he shows us here? Kings and priests. Uh, now let me finish off a few verses here for you. In the back of what you know now. And he shows the characteristic of this new sons of God here. I'm just going to read through this. We're going to pray. If somebody can prepare my wife, that'll be good. Just let her know that I'm nearly ready. Uh, maybe. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. Characteristics now of the sons of God. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Just as he is pure. What hope? The hope of sons of God. The hope of Christ. Whoever commits a sin also commits lawlessness. Does a sin belong to a son of God? Come on, you tell me. Does it belong to a son of disobedience? Yes. A son of God? Come on, show me. No. If I preach this sermon in China, they go, yes means this. So don't show it. Say no. These don't fit. These don't fit with a son of God lawlessness and sin of lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sin. And in Him there is no sin. In God there is no, in Jesus there is no sin. He was perfect upon the face of the earth, yet He was a man like you and me. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Do you know what the word abide means? Make your dwelling place in Him does not sin. Whoever sin has neither seen Him nor knows Him. That's hard words, isn't it? Little children or little born-again children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Again, this righteousness here is to live a life acceptable to God. It's acceptable to Him. Again, I refer you to Romans chapter 10. I think it's verse 1, 2, and 3, where he says that there's two kinds of righteousness. You need to understand this, friends, because righteousness is to live a life acceptable to Him. Romans chapter 10. Yeah, there you go. He says, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayers to, to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He, here Paul writes to his own people. He says, for I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge. You find this in churches. People have got a zeal. They'll do a lot of work in church. It's like a beehive. Have you seen a beehive? Everybody's working. Everybody's working. It, it hum. You know, somebody said, we've got a vibrant church. It makes me feel like a beehive. All over the place. What's the effectiveness? Oh, well, in a beehive, there is effectiveness because we get, we get honey. We get honey, honey. 
But here, he sees it. He sees they've got a zeal, but there's no knowledge. Now he sees it in verse 3 for those who want to go and study Romans 10, verse 3. He says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Everybody say God's righteousness. So what is God's righteousness? It's to live a life acceptable to Him. God's righteousness. And seeking to establish, listen to this now, their own righteousness. Everybody say, own righteousness. You see the difference? God's righteousness, own righteousness. Living a life acceptable to self, have not submitted to the righteousness of... You have to. You have to submit to the righteousness of God as a son of God. And this now completes this passage here. He says, he who practices righteousness. Now you tell me, is it God's righteousness he's talking about here? Yes. He who practices righteousness, just as he is righteous, he who sins is of. Listen. Of whom? The devil. The, the words is confirming what I said earlier on. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Praise the Lord. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. He, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In, in the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Have you noticed how many times the word righteousness came out of what I've just read? I know I want to end, but I, I, I will feel incomplete if I don't going to say what I'm going to say now. When we get born again, it is instantaneous happen. It happens. And you are saved. Yes? He takes away your sin. Past, present, future. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. It's a whole new concept. I'll preach about that for you. But you've got to understand what I'm telling you now. Some people are saved. They sit back and they go, Ah, that's it, man. I'm on my way to heaven. And then they keep on living unrighteous lives. They keep on sinning and doing this stuff. When you read in 1 John chapter 8, verse 8, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, he says, If we confess our sin, what happens? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but he doesn't stop there. And to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Friends, you and I have to live a life of righteousness, to live a life acceptable to God as a son of God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your words. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you've opened up this passage for us. I pray now that you go with us, Lord. Help us. Help us to live lives acceptable to you. Help us to look at the things of the earth and put a stamp of eternity on our foreheads to say we don't want to compete in those. We want to live a life acceptable to you. But Father, as we've heard today, we can't do it in our own righteousness. We can't do it in our own efforts. We're going to need your help. 